This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Dust off the old resume because uh, Craig Gravey could be coaching somewhere pretty pretty soon. I would listen. Coaching. If Mike Greer was smart, which we know he is, he will be texting Old Man River for some kind of job in hockey management. Yeah. Uh, no, I that's think I might right. have. What I meant to say was, if you were smart, you would be messaging Greerzy and saying, hey, buddy, how's it going? Just, uh, yeah. I'd still like to be in the game. Well, I, I could do that, but I am in the game. That's what you don't understand, Andrew. I'm on uh, one of the top podcasts in North America. World. In the world, actually. World. One of the top hockey podcasts in the world after the whistle is shredding it right now and giving uh, great uh, insight to uh, this beautiful game. But uh, go back to uh, Michael Greer. Just a huge, huge shout out to Mike. I mean, what a... Uh, he Listen, Petey, we, uh, we, we played with many. You know, I had the opportunity to to play on um, four different four different hockey teams, four different cities. Um, there's players that you play with throughout the course of that time. You know, I had uh, the opportunity to play. Uh, you know, upwards of 16 years in the league, um, and got to meet a lot of players, a lot of people. And there's certain players at the end of that time that you could probably write on a list, just a very, very short, very short list. Players that you played with that have the ability to, number one, become some sort of coach in the league, and number two, someone who could take over in a management role, a managerial role. Mike Greer was, would be... My career would probably be the top of my list when it comes to a managerial role, being in a role to run an organization, to build an understanding and a focus of what he wants and what he wants to build. Okay. And, uh, man, I mean, well, it's not like he's a stranger to it. He's not a stranger. His he's, dad he's, his dad was director of player personnel for the Patriots and the Houston Texans and then his Houston brother Texas. his brother has been in the NFL for a long time and is now the general manager of the Miami Dolphins. I mean, so it's yes. it's So not, his brother was in was in a um development role I think for many 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 years with with uh the Miami Dolphins and now is the general manager for the Miami Dolphins. So, I mean, wow, what, uh, what, what a family, you know, what a family. I, I, I'm not, I'm not surprised by this, but I'll be honest and tell you, I was surprised by this. Cause I mean, he and Chris Drury are super close and I understand when an opportunity like this comes up, you can't pass on it. You, and, and there's no way a guy like Drury is going to hold him back from moving on and trying to build a team in the Western conference. But I just, I would have just, I thought for sure Greerzy would have been a ranger for life alongside Drew, and they would have tried to chase a, a cup, you know, with each other. But I mean, this is un, this is unbelievable for him. I can't. Well, you you say that, but Drew, you don't have the right. Is the one that's that. chasing the cup. 
Drew is the one that's making the decisions in the Big Apple. Drew is the one who's going to get the notoriety for all of the moves that are being done. Michael Greer is was one of the most captivating players that I played with. And I think that you can say the same thing, you know, to note that I had the opportunity in, in 2006, I got traded from the Montreal Canadians where I had spent 12 years and got traded to San Jose. I immediately, you know, fit in very well with the team that they had in San Jose led by Joe Thornton, uh, Patrick Marlowe, um, Mike Greer, uh, Kyle McLaren. There was a really good group of, of, uh, of leaders on that team. Um, and I got to play, you know, a good solid year, year and a half with Mike Greer. Loved him. Loved his family. My, my wife and his wife are still um, in touch often and, and, lo- and have the same philosophies in life with our, our children and the way that we bring them up. Uh, I got along with Mike very well. When I got traded to Buffalo and I played my first year, one thing that I did notice is this, that we had a very talented hockey team in Buffalo. You know, the likes of uh, Derek Roy and Pominville and Stafford and Paye and uh, Tim Connolly. I mean, it just went on and on. Tyler Myers was there at the time. We that had, was his we second a, stint. That was his second stint. In Buffalo. Well, here's the thing. No. My first year, I played here in Buffalo. I sat... In a room with with Darcy Regeer, I was the last uh, exit meeting to go away for the summer. I was the last guy. Darcy Regeer, the first question he asked me is, what does this team need? And we talked for quite a while about a lot of things about that team moving forward, okay? And the very first question that he asked me is, what does this team need? And I said to him, this team needs leadership. We need leadership. I need help. I, I you know, as much as I feel I'm, I'm a strong presence and, and, and have leadership qualities, I need help. I'm, I'm okay with saying that. He said, who is out there? Who would you go after? And I told him immediately, you need to go and get Mike Greer. He's exactly what this team needs. He's a calming influence. He's extremely well-liked by older guys, younger guys, and rookies that are coming into the league because he has a presence and an understanding of how to communicate with these, with these players. Darcy Regeer went out and made a trade for uh, Mike Greer that summer and brought him into this team. And our team that missed the playoffs narrowly missed the playoffs, won the division the next year. We won the division, which is a huge feat. Um, and he was a big part of that because he, he, is, he is a calming influence. He is a calming influence. He really understands the game well. He understands the game offensively, and he understands the game defensively, and he understands how to you know, build a team that cares for each other 
and he communicates exceptionally well. Well, I was completely off the grid this weekend for the most part. Had a great weekend. I can tell you all about it. But Elliot Friedman texted me last night out of the blue. And uh, it was at, what time was this at? 9.30 last night. And he just said, give me a great Mike Greer story. And I said, I have one. I said, in 0506, this is what I texted Elliot. He bought all the young guys on the team MJ biographies, Michael Jordan biographies. He quietly came in one day and had books for, it was me, Milsey, Gostad, Roy, Palmer, Vanek, probably, I left a couple off because that I couldn't, I, that was off the top of my, probably Connolly, probably Mayer. Um, I, I just, I'm forgetting, maybe, pay, I think, I don't know if Pacer was there. I can't remember who else was there. I didn't go and look at the roster. I just, I, those were the guys that I remember being there. And uh, basically he said he wanted us to learn about what it takes to be a winner and the attitude that inspires him to be great every day. Like that's the truth. That's, that's what he was. Right. Yep. So then yep. I said he did it when no one was looking and I, I remember catching him doing it. He had this big, I get the stores mixed up. The one that's in the States chapters is Canada, Barnes and Nobles, the States. Is that right? Barnes and Nobles in the States, right? Chapters in Canada. So yep. it was Barnes and Noble bag and he was putting all these big, you know, biography books in the, uh, in everyone's stall just kind of quietly doing it, not like going to the GM and telling him that he's doing it. Like some of the other guys that have done stuff like that in the past, but um, he's just a true leader. And I remember a man, like I just, he, he did it quietly. He wasn't looking for the recognition. He wasn't looking for the glory. He just, he, and there's he, a lot of guys that do it for recognition. Oh, there's I know the guys do. that I know want they to be do. known. Okay. Uh, and I'll never forget this. We had a day off. It was it was oh five oh six because it was a lot. It was the 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 year that I played with Greerzy for the full year. We only played a year and a half together, but uh, he leaves an impact on you for life. And um, we're skating around. I've told you this story before. We're skating around. It's it's a Monday practice. We had Sunday off. You know, all the young guys were out on Saturday night. You know, a hangover day Sunday. Monday's a work day, right? You probably don't play until Wednesday or Thursday, and we're skating around. I have my chin guard undone and I'm just shooting around, whatever, screwing around when you're on the ice early, like 20 minutes early, 15 minutes early, whatever. He skates up behind me, smacks me in the ass with the blade of his stick. And he goes, Hey, buckle your helmet up, man. It's a work day. And he just skated away, you know? And what did I do? What did I do? You did, you did it up. You strap up. Did my strap up right away. Right. So, you know, what's crazy too is when you talk about kind of stuff like that, these are all things that stick into the mind of, you know, I have young kids that I coach. I love coaching. I love, um, working with them, not only on their skills and their understanding of the game, but also the mind the mind games that uh, that's going to be played for years and years and years. And there's kids that skate around in practice, in my practice with, with a, with a strap undone. And it's just for me, little things, little details. It's not acceptable. You have to make sure that you're ready to rock and roll. Um, and, and Mike was, Mike was one of those guys. And you know what, Jr. JR is being brought in here today. Let's give a little clap to JR. Let's give it to him. Not too much. Okay. I don't want it to go to his head, but listen, we're talking about <laughs> Michael Greer, who was just recently named the GM of the San Jose Sharks. 
Really? 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 Wow. Where are you, JR? That's big news. I'm at home. We need you to be be better. No, I like raw reaction. I like like raw reaction. It happened when you were sleeping. I woke up to... I woke up hey, bro, to it too. Let, let, hold on. Let's, let's just get this straight here, okay? We're talking about hockey. Hockey is fucking over, okay? <laughs> I don't fucking read hockey. I don't watch hockey. I've erased the NHL app off my phone. Like, fuck it all. It's where I mean, you're wrong, JR. This is where the fun begins. You're on crack cocaine, I man. Didn't say it was, the, I didn't say it wasn't fun. I didn't say it wasn't fun. The draft fun. is coming up. Are you kidding me? I didn't me? say it wasn't fun. I just said that I don't Kevin read Adams. about this shit. I don't read attention. that. My, I, Kevin I Adams, said, attention. If you're uh, listening to the After the Whistle podcast, attention. Kevin Adams, trade up for Cutter Goche. Attention, Kevin Adams. Hey, trade. I skated with Donnie Granado yesterday or on Sunday night. Eh? Bullshit. Did you tell him to take Cutter Goche with the ninth pick? He's not going to get there. We got to get up. We got to move up for Cutter Goche. Morning, JR. Okay. I just lost myself there, but that's my wish list. I have one wish. You think wish JR list. knows who I is Goche? I, I have a good wish list, too. Yeah. Six foot two, 200 pound left winger can shoot the puck harder than 70% of all NHL players right now. The kid's going to score a bundle of goals, a bundle. Plays for the national national development team right now. He is a man child, and he can skate, and he can shoot, and he who's, can play who's, a big. Who's, um, where, where is he? Where is he le- um, looking to go in the draft right now? Where is he? Well, ranked? here's what I'm super irritated with, and I don't want to. I don't want to go into the draft, uh, Jr. We, we can touch on it just for a second. Sounds I'm like we're going into the up. draft, though, Jr. No, we're not. We're not going to go into <laughs> the draft because the draft is a bigger conversation. But here's the thing: Cutter Gauthier was probably around 15th, uh, in between 15 and 10 mid-season, okay, or, or the start of the season. And as the season has gone on, he has continued to get better and stronger, and he looks the part, JR. He is a hockey player. He looks the part. Uh, he was ranked probably mid-season around 10, 9, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, this is absolutely 100%. I played against the kid, or I didn't play against him, but my team that I coached played against him for many years, and he is a he is a fantastic hockey player. Um, just with the last number of months, JR, he has moved from top 10 uh, into, well, Bob McKenzie, who seems to know... Uh, a little bit about everything in hockey had his rating come out and he had him at five. So where's this Buffalo? Kid, where's Buffalo pick? We're, we're nine. Wow. We listen to me. This is the kid. I think would absolutely, he has got size. He's got speed and he can missile the puck. He plays a big boy game. He's not soft by any stretch. He's a left-handed. He's a left winger. It's exactly what we need. Exactly what we need. Great. <laughs> Listen to what I'm saying, uh, Saber fans. If uh, no, we pick hey, Goche. Sorry, gentlemen. I was fucking with the buttons there. Yeah. All right. So Riv went off on a goddamn tangent there about about the eighth overall pick or ninth overall ninth. pick for this. Hey, he's I passionate, can't... man. He's passionate. He's passionate. He wants the Sabers to get better. I totally understand it. But for me, the bigger story is is Gruzzi get going to San Jose. 
that's just, I mean, that is an amazing, I think that's an amazing hire. Number one, I think probably one of the most respected guys I've ever played with Mike Greer. I mean, without question, guy knows the game is passionate. He's extremely competitive. Um, he's got a great demeanor. I don't, I'm, I read, Hey, listen, you, I, I know you respect and love Greerzy as much as, as everybody else, but I, I think it's a great hire to tell you the truth. Someone who's played there, someone who's passionate about the city, knows the city. I, I think it's awesome. I mean, I, hate the fact that Doug Wilson is, you know, is, you know, stepped away like he did, but if there's going to be a replacement for him, that I, I love that. I love that hire. Well, you I know what it. kind of team they're going to have hardworking character team. Yep. hundred percent. You know, it reminds me a lot. It, it, it reminds me exactly. I get the same feeling that I did with Billy Gary going to Minnesota. Right. Yes. That, yes. that same kind of heart and soul leader, leader, um, obviously Greer's is a little bit more of a silent leader. Um, you know, Billy was very vocal and animated, but same mentality, same, played the same way, grit, consistent, you know, team first. You know, that's, that's, you see, you'll see more of these guys get into the game like that. And good for Greer's, man. He's just, he's just, he's just fucking awesome. You know, it, it's interesting too, JR, you know, Speaking of of uh, Doug Wilson, who, I mean, he needs a shout out. I mean, as much as he traded me away and I wanted to strangle him, I understand the business. I understand how it all works. But what an incredible, and I mean an incredible career that he had, not only on the ice, but off the ice as a GM and running an organization. That organization JR was run exceptionally well. I came from Montreal, which Montreal, they put a lot into their organization, their players. We, we get the best, stay in the best hotels where, you know, how they do things. When I got to San Jose, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the fan base. Number one, I, the fan base is huge. We sold out every single game in San Jose. Those, those, those people that would come to the game, there was probably 20% of them that have no idea anything about hockey, but and they 80, were. And 80% of them had jerseys on. Yes. They loved it. Um, but Doug Wilson did a fantastic job. And I'm not talking just on the team because we've all watched and witnessed what's happened in San Jose and how, how many years they've made the playoffs and the amount of games they've played in the playoffs. He did an even better job surrounding himself with great people and building an environment not, not where the players were, where he worked every day, okay? And the people that were behind the scenes working the nine to fives and putting in the time to make this organization, to make the San Jose organization great. And that's, that's the biggest thing that I could really tell that it was a very tight organization. Doug Wilson had the people around him that he respected and needed help from. And, uh, you know, Mike Greer, Mike Greer, it's it's interesting when I look at that. He's going to have to build his environment now. He's going to have to build his his inner workings and surroundings that he can trust 
to make that team uh, go in the right direction because he's kind of he's kind of starting a little bit from maybe from scratch. Like the first questions, like when you look at when you when you think about Mike Greer taking over and you think about the order of business, let's just say with the hockey team. Soon as soon as he P told me that this morning, immediately I thought of one thing or one thing that Mike Greer is going to be have to look at, and that's the Eric Carlson deal, and and uh, Brent Burns deal. You know, Eric Carlson's making eleven eleven and a half million dollars with I don't know how many years left on the deal, and Brent Burns is the same thing. And it's just interesting if if Mike is going to be looking to move one of those salaries and what he plans on doing, you know, in building in building what he sees. So in say, in saying in saying that in saying that, who do you try to move? Both of them. I would move uh, Carlson for sure. I would absolutely try and move him. Do you think? Do you think? Don't you think Bernsey is more tradable than? Yes, Burnsy is more tradable for one reason. Number one, he's making $8 million. And I don't have that in front of me right now, but I think he's making $8 million. And number two, I think that he, I think his deal, JR, uh, PD, do you have the ability to look that up? I want it right now. Um, um, I think Burns maybe has one year left on, on that long-term eight-year deal that, I, Three that he years. signed. Three years, okay. At eight million, and, and how many 37. more years? How many more years does Eric Carlson have? Five. At eleven five. At eleven five, and he's thirty-two. Mm. That is ugly. Hey, Bern, you say Burns? He's thirty-seven. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. To be honest with you, Jr., I'd move both of them. Yeah, and and the reason for that is you want. You want the younger players that are up and coming to get lion's share of ice time to make their mistakes and see if there's someone that can come out of the woodwork to take over a, a much bigger role than maybe you didn't expect him to take. Yeah, yes, um, you, need, you, you need you need you need a, a clear a clear board to, to to build. Like what you're saying, if he wants has to build now what he thinks is going to be a winning team, he he can't have he can't have old leftovers of of big money. And if he can trade them and clear up money and clear up positions where he can piece around and it's going to take a little while, but yeah, you know, <laughs> it's at, they're at that stage right now. I, I San Jose fans are, are, are not very happy. Right. Yeah, are you like to, you'd like to throw a bet around here or there. Let's, I want to make a wager with you. How much do you want to bet? What kind of odds do you want that Craig will cut, the first 20 minutes of this podcast and send it to Greerzy as a resume. I feel like this whole thing has been an audition. <laughs> yeah, you love to say that, eh, bud? <laughs> the other guys, the other guy is Pickles, who we played with, JR. Still has four yeah. more years at $7 million, and he is yeah. like the farthest thing away from a $7 million well, hockey player right now. I think, I think he has deteriorated the most of anybody on that team. Well, he's 35. He came in the league at nineteen. He's, I mean, he's but he was a one. He was a one. He, to me, he was a one-dimensional player. I mean, he he was very good defensively, right? One of those guys pick pucks out of the air. Very good with a stick. 
Yep. Um, Exceptional but, skater, defender. Yeah, but you know what? He 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 he's a dud in the locker room. He doesn't bring you anything in the locker room. He's a dud. He's yep. just he doesn't he doesn't bring any pizzazz to the team. And when you start losing your defensive your strength, and you don't bring anything else to the table. Not 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 they, good. They better give Greerzy a pretty goddamn long leash to operate because this is a terrible team to take over. Terrible team to take over. You it's got a tough Thomas, team. It's a Thomas Hurdle at, at at you have eight years. What do you have here? You have eight years of eight point one. Okay, whatever. You just sign that deal. Then he, Logan Couture five more at eight. Okay, he's thirty three. Um, you have the two guys you just mentioned, Mark Andre Vlasic, no goaltending. I mean, they are this is a this is a tough takeover. Well, listen, I mean, this is this is not a tough takeover. This is a glorious takeover. You think it's gonna be easy to move Burns and and the and uh Carlson? You think eleven point five? You think trading that is gonna be easy? You have to gobble up salary. Carlson's gonna Carlson's gonna be very difficult to swallow for another team because there's no well, team in the league that has have, the money. They're gonna have to it, San Jose, in order to get rid of some of these guys, are gonna have to pick up some of this contract. They're gonna have to pick up some of the salary. Absolutely. That's the only way that they're gonna be able to do it. So again, they're still gonna have their their contracts on the books. But you know but, what, Jr. Like when you look at like for for an example, like Brent Burns had fifty four points last year. Okay, on a on a very on a very mediocre. bad team, fifty four points on a mediocre team in eighty two games. He's he's a healthy. He takes care of himself. He still has game left in him. When I look at Brent Burns and think to myself, like, you know, he he's a big man that can skate. And he's he's a pretty damn good hockey player for another team that can can bite can bite on him. Like yeah. he still has game. He has three years left on his contract. I think that you can absolutely move him. It's not a problem. And he should go. He he needs to go because you what you knew you might have to bite two million on that on that contract, but that's okay. At least because they do not have a lot tied up. Two they million, have, two million on who? Carlson. No, no, on, on Burns. Burns. Uh, the teams are going to want 50%. That's the most you can carry. Teams are going to want 50%. Okay. You say 50, I'm going to say 75%. Uh, you're going you're gonna to be, you're going to take Burns, who's a 54 point man on a shitty team. There's going to be teams out there that'll pay $6 million for him. I, I, I do believe that. You're going to have to hold 2 million of his salary. Um, but that's okay because when you look at the salary cap that they have, they have four guys that are getting paid. Or they have, you know, uh, Carlson, they have Burns, they have uh, Couture, and Seidel. Oh, yeah. Well, Velasic, I heard, you know, months ago that there's no, there's, there's no other way of doing it than to just buy him out. Because there's not going to be a team in the league that wants to take take him on. Like he has how many years left on that deal, Petey? Four? Yeah. That's seven like million. That. I mean, something that's like that. that's not a good that's not a good deal for for anyone. He still has four years left on that deal. JR, a lot of people speculating now that David Quinn might get the coaching hire. What do you do you know anything about him being a Boston guy at all? 
Not really. I mean, we passed paths, you know, growing up and all that stuff, and I've seen him and all. But I, I mean, I really don't know much about him. Um, I, I mean, was I wasn't he a BU guy? Is he yeah, a BU he's guy? BU guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah he's a BU guy. Hey, listen. And again, you know, all the regurgitation going around. You know, it's it. it, it I roll my eyes. You know, Montgomery getting the job. You know, I mean. Granted, I'm I'm glad you know you get second chances, but what's, what, how how is Montgomery getting a job before some of these other coaches that are out there that are just so good right now? It's well, how about Bonus going to uh, Winnipeg? I mean, did did Bonus get that job because nobody else wanted that job, or is Bonus a really good coach? I, I mean, I don't I don't I don't know Rick Bonus. I, you know that kind of surprised me. Um, I will tell you what. I, I, I think Bonus has the has the capabilities of becoming one of the best coaches in the game, and I know I know that's might maybe not going on a ledge very much because he's been around for so long. But I've had him for an assistant coach for for you know for a long time, and he uh, he's very very smart. And what he did in, in Dallas, he did a great job in Dallas. And I don't think he got enough uh, praise for how well he did in Dallas for getting thrown into the situation. Um, I think, I think it's a good hire by Winnipeg. And by the way, maybe, maybe it is a job that nobody wanted. And Rick bonus is, you know, likes being a, a head coach. I'm, well, I'm, is I'm he a better of, head coach or is he a better assistant coach? JR? Hey, listen, I'll tell you it's from what I saw, what he did with Dallas. I think, I think he's just a good coach period. And when you have a good, when you have a guy that is as smart and is is has the personality that a Rick Bonus has that that can that can morph into different positions and different jobs and do such an equal good job at both, um, I think you have a quality you have a quality hockey person. And yeah, but I think is, is he kind of like a but Bruce Boudreaux? Now Bruce Boudreaux to me, when I think about Bruce Boudreaux as a coach, I think about an awesome guy who can get the most out of his players for year and a half, two years, but then things don't seem to, they don't have, he doesn't have that to get them to the next level, maybe, so to speak. I mean, it happened in Washington, happened in Minnesota. Um, you know, I mean, he's well, it happened with bonus, happened with bonus in Dallas. I mean, they went to the final, like, they, yeah, they climaxed early and then you feel like it's almost like you, you can't seem to sustain that or keep getting the same out of your players like like a quenville got the same he had a great team but he got the same out of his players every single year after year where a lot of these guys it's almost like they get that you know that injection of life because it's a fresh face new blood whatever new guy we're all going to give him a chance we're going to love him play hard for him but then all of a sudden it phases out yeah no, there's no question I, and listen I, I like the hire i really do i'm a big i'm a big bonus fan i am i, I think he's awesome i think he's a great man and I think he does have the demeanor to do it. Um, only time will tell. And by the way, we're going to have to see what's going to happen. I mean, is Shifley going to be there? Is Wheeler going to be there? You know, are, are, there, are there top guys on their team going to remain in Winnipeg? Are they going to want to stay there? Are they, you know, are they going to leave for free agency because they're sick and tired of living in the tundra and not getting anything done in a small building? What do we know, you know? about Derek Lalonde? Anything? I know is, is this Iserman prying a guy out of Tampa, but I mean, do, do, you know, he's 
assistant coach the last few years, four years in Tampa Bay, head coach of the Iowa Wild for a couple years, didn't make the playoffs, East Coast League stuff, you know, I mean, won a championship in the USHL. Do we know anything about him, or is this just kind of a, a patient, we're going to take our time higher, smart hockey guy, new new blood, zero I. I've never even heard the guy's fucking name. <laughs> but that's you know okay, though, JR. No one, no one expected Maureen Sider to go fifth overall. It's what I said. It's, and, by the way, it's what I said, the regurgitation of the same guys. So for me, here's Steve Eisman comes, and he's taking a guy from Tampa, a team that he helped build to where it is now, which is fucking unbelievable. And now he's taking another guy who he's familiar with. He, he understands the mentality that he, that he needs on his team. And I'll tell you right now, I'm trusting Steve Eisman at my team after what I've seen him, what he's done down in Tampa. And it's going to take a little bit longer to do that in Detroit. But if he's piecing these pieces together, I'm not going to sit there and say Lalonde is a bad choice, even though I don't know who the fuck he is. He probably is a good coach if Stevie Eisman hired him. Well, that's the thing. As soon as yeah. I saw that hire, I'm like, Derek Lalonde. I'm like, is that the same guy that used to coach Sudbury when I was playing in the OHL? And I'm like, no, that's Todd Lalonde. So it's not him. And it, and, and I looked, I'm like, I don't, I don't know who this guy is. And instantly, though, he has credibility for me because Steve Eiserman hired him, right? 100%. Like, like I just, how do you question anything that Steve Eiserman does? 100%. I totally agree with you. I, I, and you know what? I personally, I'm not a, I'm, I'm, because I play in Chicago, I can't be a big Detroit fan, but I, I, I love, I, I love Detroit, right? I have, I have so many friends in Detroit. I'm going there next week. So, we're going to do this podcast for me next week in Detroit, where I'll be next week. And, you know, I know how passionate they are there. And I know how the last five years have been absolutely just demoralizing for, for the Red Wing fans. In those years in Detroit, when they were like uh, bringing in Brett Hall, Luke Robitaille, Brendan Shanahan, Rafalski, they brought in all these guys to win Hashik. Were you ever on the list? They brought in Medano. Were you ever on the list slated to go to Detroit? How close were you to ever playing for the Red Wings? 2001, my first free agency crack. I'm sitting in the hotel in Detroit in Bloomfield Hills. I had just, um, I had just left dinner with the GM talking about coming to Detroit. And my wife and I were sitting, sitting there. It was between three teams. It was between Detroit, Boston, and Philly. And, uh, we're sitting in the room and um, we're like, we're mulling over all the positives and negatives of all three towns. You know, Detroit doesn't have a big, big equestrian kind of presence. And my wife is big in the horses. So, you know, her life in the horse world is took into consideration. So we're sitting there looking at the team. It's a great team. And then at like 1130 at night, I get a call from Bob Clark. And Clarky goes, hey, listen, we have a chance to, to sign this guy. We're going to sign him unless we have you. But you have to let us know. You have to let us know by 12 o'clock, by midnight. And I'm like, holy shit, talk about putting me on the spot, right? So here I'm making one of the biggest decisions of my life. The Boston Bruins offered me probably more money than they've ever offered anybody in the history of their organization at the time, back in 2001. You know, it was over $40 million a year for five years, right? Which is pretty substantial. And, uh, 
And then I called Rick Tockett and I'm, I called Rick Tockett at 1130. I said, talk, I'm, I'm under the gun here. Clarky just called me and said, it's 12 o'clock. We need to know, or we're, we're, we're signing somebody else. And, you know, I literally, I'm in Detroit, I'm in Bloomfield Hills at the hotel and literally just was talking with the, with, um, with the GM of Detroit. He took us out for a great dinner and he's a great guy, but, um, I made a decision and talk says, you know what, come to Philly. I've been there. You'll love it. The fans are going to love you. They have a great team. Um, the Bruins had just traded Billy Guerin. So I was kind of not in that, in their game. You don't go win a, try to win a Stanley cup and trade Billy Guerin. So they're going the wrong way. So I, I decided I called Clarkie back. I said, um, you know, I'll sign with you guys. I'll sign with Philly for less money than I was getting anywhere else. To tell you the truth. But in the interim, what Detroit did, because they didn't sign me, they went and signed Dominic Kasich. And Dominic Kasich became, you know, how many Stanley Cup winners from there. Played 65 games that year. He had 41 wins. Yeah. So he, I mean, he arguably, and I say, you know, because they won the cup that next year. And I say, shit, I could have gone to Detroit and won a cup. But you really can't say that because Dominic Kasich was probably the most the most important piece of that puzzle that Detroit put into the, into the game with Dominic Kasich. So, you know, I listen guess Detroit to the can, first, listen to the first eight or nine names on this roster. Okay. This is their, their points that year. So here's how it went. Shanahan, Fedorov, Brett Hall, Lidstrom, Robitaille, Luke, not Randy, Steve Eiserman. Igor Larionov, Chris Chelios, Pavel Datsuk, Chris Draper, Thomas Holstrom. Then you mix in Boyd Devereaux, Kirk Maltby, Matthew Dandino, Steve Duchesne, Frederick Olson, Darren McCarty, Jason Williams. I mean, this team was a – Dominic Hasek was a super team. Yep. Super team. Yeah. Wait, it was hard. Uh, it was, it was a hard decision, that. man. It was a hard decision. But I went to a team in Philly that had that had a bomb team. I mean, John LeClaire, Mark Recchi, Simone Gagne, Eric Desjardins, you know, I mean, we had a, we, we had a Jason, uh, Justin Williams. We had a bomb team. I learned, so, I learned something today that I completely forgot about in 0304, the first game of the regular season, the Philadelphia Flyers played who? 0304, you guys won two, nothing. Jeff Hackett had a shutout. Shit, I can't remember what I did yesterday, let alone who Buffalo Sabres. You played well, the Buffaloes. I would have guessed that, but it would, would have been totally obvious since you remember it. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, that was my first NHL game. I learned I learned that today. I, for some reason, I was looking. That, you know why? Because someone tweeted something about John LeClaire, and I went up to see, I went to see if John LeClaire was on the team that year in yeah. Philadelphia. And if he played in my first NHL game, but he wasn't in the on the roster that night, he was there that year though, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was there my whole career, my whole stint in in Philly. Yeah. What an absolute beast that guy is, huh? Beast. So I looked, I looked that up, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I forgot Jr. was in the lineup that night. I mean, I was so, I was yeah. so friggin', you know, blinders on, and I had no idea what was going. I was just trying to stay on the on my feet for crying out loud, right? Like, but. <laughs> I want to go back to the coaching for a second. Uh, how, why, why so against Montgomery? He just didn't impress me, man. He didn't impress me. And 
you know, he, he had a good hockey team under his, uh, under his belt. And he, I, I guess I just, I didn't see, I didn't see the passion on the bench from him. I didn't, didn't hear good things about the way he ran his locker room. Now, granted, he was dealing with some personal issues and off ice issues. And he maybe wasn't as committed as he should have been to doing the job the proper way. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a firm believer in second chances and, and not other opportunities, but, um, you know, I, I hope he proves me wrong. I, I just don't, I, I don't get any, I don't get any satisfaction or confidence here in Jim Montgomery's name over, you know, uh, uh, you know, Barry Trotz or, uh, you know, some of these other guys that are, that are sitting out there waiting to. Well, JR, we talk about all the coaches. It's just, it's like, you know, watching the ring around the fricking Rosie and they're falling off in different, like, you know, yeah, how, about Travis like, Green? how about Travis Green sitting here in, in, in Orange County? I mean, this guy, he, he, he paid his dues. I think he got a raw deal in Vancouver. I think he, he turned that team into a, into a team that's competitive. And I don't hear his name getting talked about anywhere right now, whether he's asking for him or he's auditioning for him. But, you know. There's, this he, is he, by far the most legendary list of coaches to not be coaching that I, I mean, I've ever seen. There's so many. There's, there's just not enough coaching jobs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, it's, which, which, again, which, you know, like Montgomery, what's, what's that, you know, is it money? Is it, is it salary? Is it, is it saving money on salary to hire a Montgomery? Because you're going to have to pay arm and, arm and leg for those other, some of these other guys that are on the docket. Yeah. Like I, I'm Again, still, I know, I know it's a recycled conversation. I'm so shocked by torts. Sorry, Riv, go ahead. But I'm just, I'm still, I'm still shocked that John Tortorella is going back behind the bench. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I just, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Well, he's a, he's the perfect Philadelphia mentality coach. Yeah, he is. But then again, I thought I thought uh, Vigneault was too. Okay. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think I think Torts being an American coach in Philly is going to have a different impact. I think towards the fans. You know, I think Vigneault being French Canadian kind of hurt him. I think a little bit in terms of the um, the the how he was viewed in Chicago, in Philly because Philly is Philly's a tough tough fucking place to be, man. If if you're not one of them, or at least in mentality, like they think. Um, well, that's yeah, why I, I never thought that I never even got the impression that that Dennis Hackstall was ever going to hack it there. And, and like, I, I was like, this is there, the wrong good, good kind of words. guy to be bringing into Philly. He is not good, good play on words there. Good play on words. You did that really yeah. well. By the way. Well done. <laughs> I don't know that I even meant to do that, but again, but again, it's like, there's just the the carousel of coaches is just going around and around and they're just jumping from city to city to city and where is the new blood where are these we need a you know a surgeons of of new new aged young guys that that are hungry hungry not just 
not just to be there for two years and and make a team win and then get fired and then move to another city because he has a little bit of a track record. Like, John Tortorella has done great things in this league. He's coached some great. He's 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 coached some great teams and won a lot of games. But where is the where is the the youth? Stan Bowman, you, you talked about him, or not Stan Bowman, but uh, bonus. How old is he, Jr.? I would say he's probably 60, 62, 61. Okay, I'll confirm that. At what at what point in time? after coaching multiple years around multiple teams, do you look in Winnipeg to get someone, and there are tons of great coaches out there, to make, it, to make a change, to make something fresh, something new? That's, yeah, that's you, know just, what I, you know what I'd be curious of, Riv, is how many, because you know when these coaching jobs come up, you see people put in their resumes from all over the place, right? I would be curious to see how many new resumes are coming from uh, junior coaches, from college coaches, from AHL coaches. I'd be curious to see how many are actually going through the system right now rather than just the regurgitated ones. Um, that, that would be interesting to know because I don't know the answer to that. And you know, which is why I love the the, the Greer sign, uh, the Greer um, job, really good because it's it's bringing in our generation back into the game in a different and more of a um, you know uh, an office role, right? Building. Yep. And as you know, in San Jose, Bob Bugner was let go from his his position as the head coach, right? Which, which is which is. The right thing to do, which is the right thing to do. Now it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see because I find a lot of these GMs are so worried about their jobs that they're not willing to put their neck on the line for some new, some new fresh young guy. Okay, all these guys are just recycling the same names, and when I say names, the the Cassidy's, the the Boars, the Bonus, the Tortorella. I mean, safe hires, man. They're safe they're, hires. They're super safe yes. hires for every single city where you look at Kevin Adams. Kevin Adams was hired. He has a strong, strong backing um, from the Pagulas, who are the owners. I'm sure Kevin Adams has sat down and described to them, this is what we need to do. Patience is, go- is going to be needed because we're going to do this the right way. And the Pagulas are sitting there saying, Kevin, you do what you need to do because I really like what you're saying. Now you have that backing. And listen, I mean, a Ooh, year uh, ago. Give me, give me, give me uh, over under on how long it takes Greersley to hire Patrick Marlowe for some, some job. I was thinking maybe already in the works. Or if it's not already been. I don't think he's going to hire him anytime soon. I ain't going to tell you why. I'll bet you you on that one. Okay. Okay. Right. I have no problem with that. But Patrick Marlowe has been extremely new to the retirement thing. I think Patrick Marlowe has five, four boys. Okay, all at ages that they are going to be starting to travel. All of them play hockey. Um, he has been away for 22 years. Okay, yep. 
22 years he has spent away from his house. And, you know, Patrick Marlowe is, is, is a great father. Okay. But this is time. This is time for Patrick Marlowe to take a little bit of step away and to now, I think, give back, not give back, but give more time to his, to his boys. And for him to all of a sudden within one year removed from the game, be hired it's going to take away from Mike Greer's focus. What I mean yeah, by I that think, is Mike Greer could, got I think, could be, I think he could be a lot what Mike Medano is to Billy Guerin. Okay. Mike Medano was hired in Minnesota to be kind of the, you know, Billy Guerin's right-hand man, kind of, you know, talking behind the scenes, giving a lot of important information, opinions, yep. Um, yep to be a, a face in within the organization and having somebody around that. So let me, when they, let me when just they go are there when they are there is to have somebody around that had a, a career like Patrick Marlowe did and other players see him hanging around when he is there. And it, it adds a different aura into the locker room when a Patrick Marlowe walks in to see what's going on, to see what's happening. He doesn't have to be there all the time. Like an advisor, an advisor to, to the GM or something of that nature, because I think Patrick Marlowe has been, when you think of San Jose, you don't, he's the first name that comes to you, no matter what the situation is without question. I mean, he's the face that he's the face of that franchise and, and deservedly. So Um, I think it would be a, I, I think it would be a huge asset to Mike Greer to at least put him on the payroll that he can be uh, an advisor. He can be uh, someone to make a phone call to opinion, but also, like I said, when, when Pittsburgh was winning their cups, you see how many ex penguins were on that, on that, um, on that payroll for Pittsburgh that were hanging around the locker room, Detroit Red Wings, how many Detroit Red Wings are, were hanging around that locker room when they were winning their cups. It's, it, it becomes a, it becomes a, a, a situation where the, these young kids have, have to be more accountable to the people that have gotten them there and have to help shit. Patrick Marlowe was telling me that I'm not playing too well or listen, I need to up my game here or something like that. It's going to go a lot deeper and sink in harder than it will if, you know, a Joe Schmo who never played in the game is going to come up and say, hey, you got to be better. Yeah, from a Thomas okay. so Bordeaux, there's no a young kid all the way to a Logan Couture who's a wily veteran. I mean, they all can benefit from a voice like that. 100%. 100%. Okay. I understand all this. And 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 very well that could happen in due time. I don't think that that is anywhere near first on Mike Greer's list is go hire a guy who played 22 years in the in the NHL who is literally the face and and the and he is the San Jose Sharks. I hate to yeah. say it. He so, is that's Patrick Marlowe is the yeah, San Jose listen, Sharks. Yeah, but Ribs, Mike Greer has so many difficult decisions to make, so many difficult positions that he has to fill. That's an easy one. It's it's uh, an easy one. I'm that, not putting Patrick nope. Marlowe on my payroll because I need fresh. I need fresh. 
I need, Mike Greer needs to take one step at a time, not get ahead of himself. I am not going out to hire Patrick Marlowe, who has literally been a guy who has not won a Stanley Cup in that city. I'm not saying he failed, but he failed. And, and right now, Mike Greer needs to start things fresh. By bringing yes. in Patrick Marlowe, the, literally the face of the entire organization okay. after one year, I don't okay. think that that's the right thing to do. Mike okay. how, how, about, how, about, how about this? How about this? You're, you're a free agent looking for a place to play, right? And you're looking at what the team is doing. Who is going to be there for, in support? Who, who, are, who are the people that are, that are running the ship? Um, Maybe maybe they're big. Maybe they are huge Patrick Marlowe fans, and they know that Patrick Marlowe is going to be around. That he's going to have an influence. He's going to be in the ear. He's going, to, you know. Listen, little things that you don't know could could bring in a free agent signing that maybe might not have happened if they didn't do it. There's just so many different dynamics that you can think of, and I just think it's an easy hire, and it's something that I think that I think the city needs something to get excited about. And they always get excited about Patrick Marlowe. Um, you see the Chicago Blackhawks, they have, their, they have their ambassadors team that go to every game. They sign autographs. They send them around the city. Well, let me things. ask you, are you asking about Patrick Marlowe becoming an ambassador for, for this team? Or are you asking him to be in management? It's, it, it, you, can, it's, it's two, you can do two and one with Patrick. You can do two and one. Well, it's, you know what? If they're going through a rebuild, Riv, aren't they going to need somebody to kind of be a calming voice for the transition of? No. Okay. He, he needs to be very honest. If they're you know going to they look higher, Pat Falloon. <laughs> there you go. There's your ambassador. <laughs> I'm just saying that Patrick Marlowe's name to the San Jose Sharks has been so fresh that. I just think there needs to be some change. There needs to be some change. This is Mike Greer's opportunity to put a stamp on who he is bringing in in his management team to, to work on what he needs in his offices and how it works daily. He needs to work on his scouting team because scouting is going to be a very big part of their program moving forward because most likely San Jose is going to be doing a rebuild. You have to figure out and you need a cap cruncher. You need a, a Julian Brisebois, the guy from Tampa Bay. Montreal brought, brought Julian Brisebois into the Montreal Canadiens back in the day right out of law school because he was a freaking genius. They hired him. He was like, he was like 23 years old. They hired him right out of law school because his apparently his, his marks and everything were completely off the chart. They bring him in. He's a cap cruncher. You look at the shit that he's done in, in Tampa Bay over the years, even when Stevie Eisenman was there, you know, who was making the, the, the financial deals. It was Julian Brisebois. He's the guy crunching the numbers. But who made a vast majority of those. What did Eisenman, when did Eisenman leave and, and head over? Did he go and get the maroon and the Coleman and, and Barclay Goudreau? Was he there then? Or did he leave no. just before that? No, he left just before that. No. Okay. You look at the trade that he made. Just recently, I'll give you a great example for the people listening. So Julian Brisebois makes a trade. Okay. He trades away Ryan McDonough. Now this is a team 
right now in Tampa Bay that they're 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 in cap hell. They have to sign Palat. They have to sign uh, Sirnek's going to need a contract soon. Sergachev's going to need a contract soon. They just signed um, uh, Nick Paul. Um, when you look at this, they need money, so they went and traded Ryan McDonough. And by the way, they don't don't forget they are also in violation of of people saying of of cheating the cap last year. Well, cheating the cap with with a Nikita Kucherov two years ago, where he basically was off the cap at nine and a half million dollars for an entire year, and then all of a sudden, once the season is over and you move into the playoffs, cap doesn't mean any anything anymore, and all of a sudden you just throw a nine and a half million dollar player under your salary cap. Yeah, Breezeball had that idea in his back pocket since he was twenty three too, Riv. Well, listen, he's not twenty three anymore. I know he's not twenty three anymore. Got to use he's, that. You have to use that dead salary cap to his advantage. You don't think that he he knows what's going on? Oh yeah, you don't yeah, think brilliant. he knows all these it was things? Absolutely, it was absolutely it's just brilliant. like for an example. You know, he makes a trade with Nashville. He trades away one of his defensemen, who's like thirty-four years old, McDonough. He's got four more years left on a six point eight five million dollar a year salary. Okay, he does not need Ryan McDonough anymore. Okay. So he moves him to Nashville. He picks up two players. One guy I've never heard of him in my entire life. Okay. And the other guy, his name's... Uh, By the way, uh, thank, you, thank you for telling me that Ryan McDonough got traded because I didn't know that either. Okay. So, <laughs> so, listen, so listen, JR. Ryan McDonough, by coming off the cap, gives them $6.85 million in cap relief. But here's the thing. They traded for a guy whose last name is, is Philip Myers, okay? Philip Myers is a special case in the NHL. I played against him. I played against him. Very big guy, right? No, 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 no. No. Is he not a I, defenseman? I played against him two weeks ago. Oh. In a charity tournament in Moncton. He was playing on this team, this, this, this team, uh, this men's league team. That uh, you know that was a, the best men's league team I've ever seen. By the way, they, they beat us like ten nothing. Um, and this kid, and I was watching this kid, and he he's he's good. Now he's big, fucking can skate like the wind. A beautiful skater, really good with the puck, but the. But from what I've heard from a lot of people is he's he's the he's the the pizza delivery guy for you know for Domino's Pizza. He makes a lot of mistakes defensively. He's not he's not reliable. Uh, he's a little panicky. But I I know exactly who you're talking about. I literally didn't know of him until I played against him in a men's league tournament. Okay. Yep. So and, this but, this player. He's got serious potential. If they can, if if Cooper can clean up his his structure of his game, Riff, you should see the size of this kid. Are you scouting him off his men's league game? There's no structure in a men's league game, bro. I want you to understand something, Jr. I'm not done yet. (laughs) You can see how a fucking player skates when you have a guy of this guy's size and stature and skates as beautifully as he does. 
on the men's leagues team and, and it impresses you, you can only imagine when he fucking turns it up and he gets serious. Now, I don't know about his head or his decision-making or his hockey, his hockey intellect, but his, his raw talent is pretty special. So this is, uh, this is where we're at with uh, Philip Meyer. So when Julian Breezebois made this trade, they sent McDonough to Nashville. They picked up a young prospect, okay? And they also picked up Philip Meyer. Philip Meyer has something in his contract, and I, I am going to do no justice for this, but I, it, I read that if you buy out Philip Meyer, you get almost like a six hundred or $450,000 cap release because of the certain contract that he's under. So here's the thing. Not only did they, they, they get rid of $6.85 million in Ryan McDonough, they also traded for uh, Philip Meyer, who has one year left on his deal. They're going to buy him out and get another like $500,000 in cap relief because of the type of contract he's under. This is, this is what I'm talking about. This is a true cap genius because he needs every cent. Do you think he needs Philip Meyer? Philip Meyer's done shit in this league. He doesn't need him. He is literally looking for as much cap release as he humanly possibly can. And he's going to buy out Philip Meyer. Okay. And he's going to get more cap release because Philip Meyer's contract is is a certain and then he's going to sign malkin nope nope where's Malkin? he's got to sign his own guys malkin's going to new york you know you know this no i don't know this at all i listen i didn't even know fucking mcdonough got traded i i didn't even know greers he came i didn't know any of this stuff no i ask you if you know this because i mean you're in the know you know people so i didn't know if you're like someone connected you know i just I know I just have this just weird inkling feeling that you know the career you can that really Malkin see has. him go what? somewhere else. You can really see him go somewhere else. Dude, yes. He's been under he's been under Crosby's shadow for his entire career. He's been in one city. Malkin Malkin likes he likes attention, man. Even though he doesn't say it, he likes to have attention. And I think that he would love to see what it's like in a big city because Pittsburgh is not a big city. It's not a bustling city. You know how those Russians are. They love to be in the, they love to be around, you know, great go restaurants. To and go, life, go to Russian you know? spa, then go to Tao. Yeah. And, you know, but listen, they got, they got two very, very prominent Russians in New York with Panarin and, and now um, with, uh, with uh, Sturkin. Sturkin. Okay. I would, I cannot. Why and an up and coming team, probably a team that could have got to the finals this year, right? Why wouldn't Malkin go to a team like that? Take a little bit less, be in New York with two great Russians, great metropolis, play in the most famous city in the in the in the world. I mean, a arena in the world, and and have a chance for another cup. I mean, to me, sounds sounds like it could be a good fit for him. Who's well, a better hockey player, Petey? Ryan Strom or Evgeny Malkin? Okay. Rhetorical no, question. No, 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 no. I'm saying right now. I'm saying right now. I'd say Who's Malkin better... at 42. 
Malkin. I'm, if, I, if I had to choose one or the other right now, money not really being that much of a factor, I would imagine, because yeah. what's Stroman about five, so, five and a half? So, I mean, I, I'm taking Malkin all day he, long. So, Ryan Strom's an unrestricted free agent, okay? Last year, he had a pretty damn good year. 74 games played, 21 goals, and 54 points was plus 15. Malkin had He's a very good hockey team. player. He's a very good hockey player. The thing is, are you getting an upgrade with Evgeny Malkin? Can you sign Evgeny Malkin? Because if you go and sign Ryan Strom, who is, you know, at that age where he wants to get paid, he's 28 years old. Okay. He's at that. He's going to want a seven, eight year, year contract. You're going to, yeah. you're going to have to pay him in the, in the range of seven plus million dollars. Why not go after Evgeny Malkin? And have him under a three-year contract and have him under, um, you know, let's just say that they go after him and say, we'll give you seven million bucks a year. Now you now you've protected yourself and you don't have this six, seven, eight-year contract with Ryan Strom. You're under a three-year contract with Evgeny Malkin. Evgeny Malkin is clearly a better hockey player than Ryan Strom right now for the next three years. Now you have now you have a few more pieces that you have to sign. You have to try and get that uh, Andrew Cobb under under contract because he was fantastic, yeah. absolutely fantastic in in um, in New York. So I I hundred percent agree with Jr. I think Evgeny Malkin wants to go to a city number one that is exciting for him something new and something fresh. And he wants to go to a team that is not in a rebuild. That's not middle of the pack. He's looking at the Rangers saying, I think that this team can win a Stanley cup. He's got two Russians on the team and, and Panarin and uh, Shesterkin who he's going to immediately come into gel. that, that group. And it's going to be a huge gel. I think the t- players on the team are going to be excited. I think, JR nailed it. I think that you could see Evgeny Malkin in 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 uh, New York, and we're gonna see. It. We'll also see what kind of how brilliant that Chris Drury can get, how creative Chris Drury can get. Because do you think he can he, he can have that conversation? Whereas what you just said, Riv, where maybe he maybe he presents something to where he can get Strom and Malkin to be there. Whether, you know, Malkin's going to have to take a pay cut. I mean, that's obvious. But how big of a pay cut will Malkin take? And how much will he agree to pay, play for a team like the New York Rangers and try to convince Strom, hey, listen, this is the place that you, you know, you've thrived. We're going to bring on Malkin at a certain contract. We just, we're going to get cops signed. It's going to be really interesting to see. The manager is way greater than any of us ever thought he was. Well, and but I think no, no you know what Chris Drury has done so far has been brilliant, and he has the opportunity in this offseason to extend that brilliance and see what he can muster in in the free agent signing and keep a, a keep a good good base of this team, yet bring in a Hall of Famer, a future Hall of Famer without question, a first balloter, in my opinion, to add to the to the you know 
Yeah, but not a top, not, not a top 100 though, Jr. You know, not not a top 100. What do you think Brian Burke? Malkin and what wasn't, do you that think was a joke. Ron Hextall is doing right now if Evgeny Malkin? What do you think that they're doing? Think they want to go and pay him ten million dollars? No. What do they want to do? Well, they're probably offered. They're they're offering him probably the um, the respect contract, the thank yeah. you very much for your career contract. Almost right? probably time to go. You think Jr. Time to go for him? Yeah, I, I think I think Pittsburgh Pittsburgh has realized that their their window has has slowly closed, and you know. They they had a good year. They had a they had an exceptionally un, like I think over overachieving year. Yep. Um, but Sydney's older. Latang's older. Malkin's older. They're gonna need they're gonna need to make different changes in order to rebuild. And they know they're gonna have to rebuild. But here's the thing: I don't think, and this is just my thought. And hear me out: Pittsburgh Penguins can beat any team in the National Hockey League. They're that good. When Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby and their other players are healthy, they can beat any team in the league. Here's the problem. Yeah, but Evgeny because, Malkin last because year. Because of Sidney Crosby and Malkin. Okay. Because of that. So what I'm saying is if I'm Brian Burke, if I'm Brian Burke and I'm I'm uh, Ron Hextall, these are the guys that are going to be negotiating this contract with their vision. My thought would be this. If we in Pittsburgh want to utilize the opportunity here in Pittsburgh to win because they're still in win mode. You cannot have Evgeny Malkin at nine and a half million dollars when he only plays fucking 41 games a year. Now here's the thing in his 41 games, he had 20 goals and 42 points. The guy is an absolute rock star. He's one of the, he's still clearly one of the better players in the league when he's healthy, but he's not, he only plays, he only plays half the season. The year before, he only played 33 games. He is always injured. So I would be sitting there saying, if you want to stay here in Pittsburgh and win a Stanley Cup, we need you to take a hometown discount. Because the only way that we can do that is you're going to take a hometown discount and we're going to go and take the rest of the money and we're going to go get players that are going to help you Win a Stanley yeah, Cup here yeah, in Pittsburgh, but, but Malkin, I, I believe that Malkin will do that in a fresh city where he has new life, rather than a city that he's been at his entire career, and he's been in somebody else's shadow. I 100% agree. He, I, I'm going to tell you, you absolutely nailed this, Jr. New York is exactly where he needs to be because their second line center in New York is Ryan Strom. Ryan Strom's a solid hockey player. 74 games. He had 21 goals and 54 points. Well, you've getting Malkin in 41 games. 41 games. He had 20 goals. The guy's a stud. Is and, and if you can, if you can have Chris Jerry go and talk to Yevgeny Malkin to say, listen, we want to win a Stanley Cup. You have all the tools and the ingredients to be a winner. Evgeny Malkin has made so much money looking at his contracts, 11 and a half. And then he went to uh, sign for 43 and a half. And then the next one was 76. Like, I mean, the guy's made an ungodly amount of money in, in, in the National Hockey League. And he's won three Stanley Cups. But his, my question to Evgeny is, 
are you doing this for money? Because at this point in time, you've made $120, $30 million in your career. Or are you about hoisting the Stanley Cup? And if he wants to do that, the Rangers are the team to go to. And by the way, Riv, what you just said is really, really interesting. Do you want to, do you want to raise the Stanley Cup with another team and build your, build your dynasty as, as Evgeny Malkin and do it without a Sidney Crosby, you know, leading the yeah. way? Well, listen, we talk about Malkin's dominance. We've talked about, uh, you know, faces of the franchise yesterday in the United States. Uh, there has there was a display of another just legendary performance, and his name is Joey Chestnut. And <laughs> is there a greater American franchise, sports franchise, than Joey Chestnut pounding back his fifteenth, I think his fifteenth Nathan Hot Dogs eating champion championship? His record seventy six. Yesterday he put back sixty three, hobbled in on a, on a, with a cast on his leg. Tough day for him. I don't know if you guys saw him. He had to choke out a protester. Hot dog number fifteen. Protester jumps on stage. Joey Chestnut throws him in the headlock, throws him down to the ground. Continues, does not even break stride <laughs> as he's biting into his fifteenth dog. I didn't see it. All That's hail, awesome, jo- all hail, Joey Chestnut. I, he's an American goddamn icon. I thought all you American icons knew each other, JR. Don't you guys have a function every year, American icons? I, I, don't, I don't eat hot dogs, which makes me even more in awe of what he's able to do. But Jesus Christ. I mean, he put what down. Is he, do you, do you 10 know, minutes, he put down 63 hot dogs. Do you know what he does after? Like, does he have to vomit all that up? Like, I don't like, honestly, like, I don't know how that all works. Like, ugh, ugh, oh my God. I'm just like, right. <laughs> just like, is oh. there anything, any, is, is there anything less appetizing than dunking a I hot dog want, into I a thing want, of water? I would, not, I, I would have to say, I would not want to be a toilet in any vicinity, <laughs> any vicinity but that's around not coming out. That's not like, coming out. Within, yeah. Within the next 24 hours, if Joey Chestnut was in my vicinity, I'd be like, Bro, we got to get the fuck out of here, man. This is this danger coming. We got hey, we might be next. If you sit down on a plane today with with Joey Chestnut next to you, are you happy about that, or are you like, dude? Just I'm saying, you, I'm, I'm, hot dog. I'm saying you stay right gonna, in the seat. He's gonna shit his pants at twenty five thousand feet. Petey, you need to do some research because I want to know. And if anybody knows out there, they can they can uh, email. Uh, you know, after the whistle account or tweet us. I want to know if he, if he has to vomit that up after like he must have to, there's no way you can have 63 wieners sitting in your stomach. (laughs) Just an absolute icon. Anyway. Well said. Well said. Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not serious. I mean, I, 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 but well, but well said, because listen, everybody has their, their talents and, and their, their pluses and go and go-tos. Joey is eating wieners. How many hot dogs do you think you guys could put back? Me? I did eight at the, at the Bell Center one night, but it wasn't like in a row. It was eight throughout the course of a night. It wasn't. Well, that's, that, that's the Bell Center. At those hot dogs, I bet you I, can, I could eat six or seven of those. 
Yeah, but they're two biters. They're not even hot dogs. They're like literally delicious treats. Like they're, you know, <laughs> one row of ca- little one row of ketchup. They're, they're two biters, right? They are us. They are. They got the best bun. They have the best bun in the world. I don't know where they get them, but it's it's not all doughy oh, and light, 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 lightly, lightly oh, toasted, lightly burnt. Yeah, lightly, yeah, lightly baked. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, that pretty much sums it up. We got a lot of other shit to uh, discuss the rest of the week, JR. What are your plans? What do you got going on now that you're un- you're unhinged from hockey completely? Well, you know, the travel still happens. I go to Chicago for uh, for a couple of days and I head to Detroit for the best member guest on the planet in um, in Detroit at Indian Wood in Lake Orion. Where are you with? So- um, I just got a couple of good friends that are out there. You know, you know, who will probably be out there is uh, Bertuzzi will probably be out there. McCarty will probably be out there. I'll be seeing them uh, at this tournament, bringing my son. He's somebody else's partner, but it's, it's a week of, of golf, boating and drinking. And it is awesome. It is the crazy, crazy good group of guys, five rounds of golf. So you can imagine and then I head to uh, then I head to Minnesota. I'm going to go up to my buddy Jack Jablonski's uh, golf tournament, help him raise some money for his foundation. I, you know, that'll that'll be a lot of fun for me because Jack has been a like my my second son, and you know, battling his neck injury, his spinal cord injury, and you know, we've done a lot for him. So then I go to Minnesota for a couple of days. So I got on the road for two weeks after this, after the whistle with another great fucking segment. Boom! Way to go, Greerzy! Congratulations. <laughs> Rib yeah, talked well, a lot today. We apologize for that, Jay. I loved it. I loved it. That a boy, Rib. That's why we were late getting to you too. Because man, you ever heard that song by Led Zeppelin? What's it called? What's it called? Oh yeah, Ramblin. <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter After the Whistle and at Craig Rivet fifty two at the Instigator seventy six. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.